Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay, hello and welcome. Today we're talking about the sixth episode of the second season of Leverage called The Top Hat Job. Beth, what did you think? Okay, this is literally what I fucking thought the Beantown bailout job was going to be. I know. I I literally have so many all caps notes being like, the fucking foodborne pathogens, I fucking knew it. Like, <laughs> quality control testing, I fucking knew it. I, mm. <laughs> this is why when you were predicting the Beantown bailout job, I was sitting there going, mm. like, I, I was trying not to react because I'm like, well, not this episode, but yeah. like... <laughs> Like, like, you're not wrong, but you are wrong, but you're not you're wrong. You're completely wrong for the Bean Cow Bailout. Yeah. But, like, also, that is almost the exact plot of a different episode. Yeah. Which, oh, from the name of the episode, I was never no. going to fucking guess. I mean, it is pretty obvious why the Top Hat Job is called the Top Hat Job. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. It is... It is not exactly, it's not like a misleading name. It's no, not, no, it's, it's just, just that I'm mad about it <laughs> because I feel like I've been tricked. <laughs> um, huh, that's kind of fitting for the episode. I mean, yeah. Um, but yes, no, I, I fucking called it. Mm-hmm. I fucking knew it. And I appreciate the importance put on quality control and food safety. However, yeah. it does lead me to some questions about the episode. So, why is this scientist? Yeah. Jamieson? Is that... Yeah. I, I don't know if we ever get her first name. But I don't understand why she's taken it upon herself to steal these sensitive documents and these reports. Like, she knows they exist. Yeah. That's enough. She knows the contents. That's enough. Why does she just not report it to a government body? Like, we have food recall procedure, right? And surely... Like, if I, if I found... If I... I used to work in fast food, right? If I was like, oh, there is a health code violation here, then I would report that to our local council who would have someone come in and and do an investigation and then that investigation may be put onto, like, you know, the health, like, government health department. Like, I don't understand why the fuck she doesn't... She says in the episode, like, oh, like, alert the FDA. I'm like, why didn't you just do that? Why didn't you just alert the FDA? So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two reasons. Sure. One, it's less fun. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're right. It would have been a less engaging piece of television. But like, um, and number two, I would say like her her plan was get the report and show the CEO, so the CEO could do something about it. Yeah. And I'm going to assume that in the process, like she's told Eric. I don't know his last name. Eric Castle or something? Oh, uh, Eric Caston. Because it was Eric with a K, Caston with a C. Yeah. Eric Caston. And I'm assuming she's told him and annoyed him and told him that they should be doing something about it. And now that he knows that she's got an issue, he's going through and systematically deleting everything that could be incriminating. Mm. So even if she got to the FDA, by the time they got the correct warrants, etc., because remember, yeah. they're protecting these food patterns with their fucking life. Yeah. Um, by the time they got in and actually were able to do that, Kasten would have already gotten to all of the... I guess so, but then my question all becomes... All of the reports, and it, it would have been sort of too little too late. But then my question becomes, why did not she Why did she bother going to Kasten in the first place? Like, if she knows... She probably thought he would do something about it. Yeah, but, like... And it's only after he said, actually, no, it's cheaper to just let people die... That she's been like, oh fuck. 
I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm not sure if it's just. And then she tried to get the documents and take them to the CEO and the FDA. Yeah, yeah. And he caught her in the process of doing that. I understand that. I just, I guess if it were me and I knew that, because it wasn't, it wasn't that, um, like, he would not have said to her, to her face, like, it's fine for those people to die. Like, that's not the scenario, right? Like, I think if it were me, if I had found, like, a report like that and realised that nothing was being done about it internally at the company, I would not raise it with the people who had already okayed it. I would just go to the FDA or I would have gone straight to the CEO. I wouldn't have involved Kasten, who's already okayed it. Do you know what I mean? So I guess my question is literally, like, why she didn't just go to a governing body. I understand for entertainment reasons why she didn't just go to a governing body. But in, like, a reality reason, I'm like, just just, just tell the like health agency because they don't want salmon like that's such a huge issue like for, and food recalls happen all the fucking time it's not just the monetary things of a recall like it's not just like directly recalling the product it's also all the lost revenue from mm. the faith that you've now destroyed in your customers like there is that thing of like if you recall a product suddenly everyone trusts you as a brand just that little bit less I guess so. But then my argument to that would be I would lose faith in a brand faster if I kept hearing about lawsuits from people dying from yeah. eating their products. I think Rather than if I heard them recall the product, I'd be like, okay, they value their customer's safety more than they value their monetary gain. Mm. Knowing, like, like, just from a customer perspective, yeah. you know? And, like, again, I realise television, not yeah. reality. But, I, yeah, for me, I was just like... But also, they can also bury people, like... Mm. In terms of like, it's it's not that hard to just do a settlement with an NDA, and then you hear nothing about it. Like, mm. and then, but yeah, I don't know. Look, personally, I I think it's just she went to Casson thinking, oh, maybe he just didn't realize. Maybe he, you know, because no no one wants to believe another person capable of basically being like, oh well, if for some people die, it's fine. Yeah. Like, so she went to Casson thinking. Fucking quote from Shrek being like, some of you may die, but it's a sacrifice that I'm I'm willing to make. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I just sort of assume that it's – she went to him thinking that maybe he just didn't read the report properly or didn't realise what it was actually saying or the significance. Um, And then he sort of, like – she was like, I'm I'm, I'm doing this, we're going to – and he just, like, squashed that and now it's sort of like – this is her, like, last-ditch attempt. This is her okay. last-ditch attempt. And sure. she doesn't have any um, evidence to take to the FDA because that's why she was trying to get the report mm. so that she could go to somebody who could do something about it. And because she didn't manage to get the report and now she also is an alarm yeah. back in the building, like, she has no way of getting the evidence and she knows that if she does something, like, with the FDA, he'll ha- it'll take time and he'll have destroyed all the evidence yeah. by then. I guess that I guess I should clarify. I, I was more confused... In, in general, because, I like, I understand that. Like, I was more confused that her plan was to take the report to the CEO. Yeah. I'm like, well, as if, like, how would you know that that's going to do anything better than taking it to the BP? Like, yeah. if you've already been turned down internally by management, I would take yeah. it to an external, like, yeah. factor. And I think that's what confused me more yeah. than anything. Although, to be fair, the CEO... I like he's surprised. He seems nice. He seems sweet. I I kind of like him. I mean, he is trying to show a more fun side this year. I kind of liked that when Sophie was asking him for like anecdotes, he like had names and like in jokes ready to go. 
I was like, the, the the spam thing was probably a bit much. But like, the you know, the guy who loves coffee and stuff. I was like, I like that he actually knows things about his employees. You know? Like, I, I, I like that. He seemed like, as far as CEOs go, like, relatively personable. Rather than just like, a twat. Yeah. You know? He's a sweetie. Yeah, he seems nice. Look, I, I can't give you an actual answer for that. So I think we're just going to like move on a little mm. maybe, I don't know um oh before we do yeah very quickly mm-hmm. if anyone has listened to our supernatural podcast you will know that we have a fun little segment over there called Jamie's PSA yeah i have a best unsolicited advice which is oh. the lesser version yeah. the one that doesn't come up very much no. but every now and again oh, she has a point to make beth gets really annoyed by something yeah <laughs> so this is a food safety thing which is why i want to quickly Put okay. it in. So at a point in the episode, I want to say like maybe two thirds of the way through, so towards the end of the episode, um, Eric or Cassin, whatever you want to call him, he is saying to Hardison, you know, it says on the back of the packet, heat to 161 degrees, like it's not our fault if people don't read, you know, that kills the bacteria, yeah. right? Okay, whatever. So heating can kill the bacteria. However, and this isn't specific, this isn't related to salmonella, which yeah. I recognize as the bacteria they're talking about, but... You know how people say that, like, rice is one of the, like, most dangerous, like, foods in terms of food poisoning? No. I don't Okay. Know. Rice is a big problem. So, basically, there are these, like, essentially the particular um, pathogen that you find in rice, it creates spores. So, like, even though everything's dehydrated, right, it's, like, these little, like, super, super tough little guys and then when you cook the rice and you rehydrate you rehydrate it and you introduce like moisture and obviously the rice is there as a food source and also heat yes and the problem with rice in particular it's it's um bacillus cerus i'm pretty sure Mm. so basically even if you reheat the rice enough to like nullify the bacteria you don't kill the toxin that it produces so the food is still not safe. So like, yes, in this instance, maybe that would be fine, but that is not always the case. So I'm just, just as a best unsolicited advice, just because it's hot again does not necessarily mean it's okay for you to eat. You should be very careful and always fucking refrigerate your rice after it's been cooked. While we're moving on, we are moving on, yeah? You're not going to drag us back to the same point? Yes, no, we can okay. move on. Yep. Elliot sleeps 90 minutes a day and grows his own food. I'm assuming you have thoughts. Elliot is living the life I wish I was capable of living. If I only had to sleep 90 minutes, do you know how much shit I would get done? I would absolutely grow my own fucking food. Holy shit. Also important to note that we are not here endorsing only sleeping 90 minutes a night. No. (laughs) No. Only sleeping 90 minutes a night is not healthy for you. Yeah. I wish I was capable of surviving and doing that. But I recognise I'm not. And that's important. <laughs> and also, literally no one is because the human body is not designed to... For 90 minutes a day. Live yes. on 90 minutes of sleep a day. No. Um, actually, I want to talk about Elliot a little bit in this episode. Yes. Because he's very... Go for it. I, I love Elliot. He is so fun. Okay. Actually, very, very, very quickly. It's related to a scene that Elliot is in. Yeah. At the very start, when he goes in dressed as the pizza delivery yeah. guy and he's talking to the receptionist... And Hardison is like, she likes horses and she dislikes vanilla toothpaste. What the fuck is vanilla? Who wouldn't dislike 
vanilla tooth. That just seems inherently wrong to me. Is, is that, that an American thing? Do Americans have vanilla toothpaste? I don't fucking... The only non-peppermint like peppermint or spearmint toothpaste that I ever come across in my life is when I was a child and there was like a Barbie-themed bubblegum toothpaste and it was yeah. the most disgusting thing I've ever put in my mouth and I refused to use it. So my mum had to throw it away and buy me normal fucking toothpaste. I yeah, I've seen bubblegum. I've also seen milk-flavoured toothpaste. Milk? <laughs> I'm so confused by that. Milk-flavoured? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's milk <laughs> let me, let me Let me see if I can find it. That's bizarre. But yeah, fucking vanilla-flavoured toothpaste. What the hell is that? Yeah, milk teeth. Fucking Colgate milk teeth. Oh, my God. We're Okay, just to double-check... We're talking about, like, could we potentially be talking about teeth lollies? You know the teeth lollies? Is it, but is it milk flavoured? Gentle care for milk teeth to help adult teeth come through. But isn't isn't that just for, it's like, for your baby teeth? Yeah. But surely it's not milk flavoured. <laughs> that seems wrong. I, I haven't ever used it, so I couldn't tell you if it is milk flavoured or not. But it just, it's, I feel like maybe it's just for milk teeth. Surely it's not milk flavoured. That seems like a weird flavour to choose. Milk doesn't even really have that much of a flavour. Usually you add flavourings too. Oh no, apparently it is a gentle mint flavour. Oh, a gentle mint flavour. Mm. Okay, well there you go, it's mint then. Because, the, like, even... I just always assumed it was milk flavoured. Like, even fucking milk teeth. <laughs> even, <laughs> Why the fuck wouldn't it be milk flavoured? Well, like, even teeth lollies taste kind of minty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do other places have tooth lollies? Or do I sound insane? I have no idea. I know used that to wear them like dentures. Right? I know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know that you know what I'm talking about. I don't know if anyone else knows what teeth lollies are, but I guess now they can Google it. Lots of fun. Many memories as a child. Good old teeth lollies. They're always kind of stale. You usually get them in a party bag along with bananas. Bananas are shit. I hate bananas. Yeah, they're so gross. I do love the little spearmint leaves, though. Oh, yeah. That's the shit. The spearmint leaves. And um, I always liked the, like, they're, I can't remember what they're called, but they're like that white lolly with, like, the red blob. Do you know what they're called? They might just be called raspberries and cream. Strawberries and cream. Strawberries and cream. Yeah, they're Mm. good. That's that good shit. Anyway, this is not the point of the, this is not the point of the podcast. Although, lollies are in this episode. They got the little frog lolly that they use for the fingerprint. They do gummy frogs. Yeah. Low tech hat crap there. What? Oh, low tech hat. I had no idea what you just said. <laughs> also, I, I did Google toothpaste flavors. Apparently, common flavors include strawberry, watermelon, mint, and bubblegum. What the? F- who is ha- I'm sorry, watermelon? Who the fuck and is having watermelon flavored toothpaste? Coffee's. Uh, coffee? <laughs> companies have even made toothpaste flavors such as chocolate, coffee, cupcake, licorice, pickle. Oreo, and many, many others. I'm sorry, did you just say pickle? Yes. What the fuck is wrong with people? And coffee, you brush your teeth to get rid of, like, I mean, obviously for, like, you know, the safety, yeah. the safety, the health of your teeth and gums, but also to make your breath fucking fresh. Yeah. That's why you use mint. Who the fuck wants their breath to smell like coffee? I, d- I am truly baffled by this. I'm having a full-on Beth crisis. Yeah. But that's just a list I found on the internet. But, uh... Okay. If you're listening to this and you use a toothpaste with a flavour, anything other than mint, tweet at me. 
because I have literally never heard of anyone using anything other than mint flavor. Yeah. Let me know. Is it good? Am I living in a bubble? Should I try chocolate-flavored toothpaste? It seems like a sin. (laughs) But who knows? Like, maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm just uneducated. Maybe I need to broaden my horizons. Maybe maybe non-mint toothpaste is just more common in America or something. Yeah, maybe. But, like, yeah, also, yeah, vanilla toothpaste. Vanilla toothpaste sounds she doesn't fucking like whack. It. Yeah. And that entire scene is just peak, peak leverage. Like, everything just going to shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. It and really like, goes to shit. They MRI'd his pizza. Yeah. Also, MRI machines are fucking ex- Like, that is an expensive as hell security check. Like, yeah. I understand if he had said they x-rayed my pizza. Yeah, exactly. But like, or like, even just like, like, I think maybe, maybe the writers made a boo-boo there and it was meant to be x-ray. Or even if it was just like, they did like, you know, when you go to the airport and they do the metal detection yeah. and stuff, like, even if it was just that, you know, I'd it's get still it. weird that they're like, yeah, scanning a pizza. They've got an MRI machine in the fucking lobby. <laughs> MRI and pizza. Yeah. Oh, actually, while we're on that, yeah. the um, part of the episode where they're getting the whole, like, team in as, like, you know, saying that they're part mm. of the magic act or whatever. The magicians. The magicians, yeah. Yeah. I. This is the one thing that they probably should definitely scan. Like, yeah. what if he had explosives as part of, like, because you but have... But it ruined the illusion. But you have, like, magic tricks. That and they wanted to. The only stuff, reason like, they... The only reason they didn't was because the CEO come down and was like, oh, like, yeah. don't be a bummer, dude. Yeah, and I was Should like, we, right? Literally, though, I was like, man, this is the one time where, like, the MRI might not be overkill. And yeah. it's the one time you're like, eh, let him through. But the margarita is where you draw the fucking line. Yeah. Like, <laughs> bizarre. Absolutely just bizarre. But hey, look, we... It happened again. We got Nate in a bad hat with a stupid accent. I'm fucking telling you. It's it's such a... When I said that in the first episode, I was not expecting it to be a thing. I thought that it was just a once-off. Now we're midway through season two, and I'm like... You can name on one hand the number of episodes that haven't had Nate in a stupid hat. This episode was named after the stupid hat. Though, to be fair, I will give them this. This episode, the hat was fitting. Yes. Like, it's the same as last week with the three days of the hunter job. The hat was fitting. The hat helped sell the character. Mm -hmm. The hat was part of the bit. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I did also, I was worried. We talked about in the wedding job, I really, really hate secondhand embarrassment. Like, I'm like the kind of person who cannot watch it. I'll turn it off kind of thing. And I was really, really worried that this was going to be... A secondhand embarrassment. And Nate was going to be shit at magic. Yeah, I... Look, it was awkward, but it was so much better than I was worried it was going to be. It wasn't bad. It was just, like, you could tell that he wasn't really a performer. Yeah. Like, that he had never rehearsed this routine before. Like, this yeah. was all just him fucking around and finding out. Off the out. cuff. Yes, like, exactly. Which is fine. Yeah, which is fine. Because at the same time, he could still do what he was trying to do. Yeah. He ju- it just wasn't polished. Yeah, exactly. But I was pleasantly surprised because I was really worried. I was like, oh, they're going to go hard on this whole mm. fucking Nate's going to be an absolute shit show. He's going to be a train wreck. And then he was fine. He was just kind of fine. Yeah. Like he was a truly mediocre magician. Although, genuinely, how do they do the trick at the end? I don't know. I've never been able to work it out. I, like, I, 
Mm. It's an iconic way to end a show, though. It's, yeah. Like, they got, like, a standing ovation. And I was like, yeah, actually. Oh, like, yeah. What the fuck? How, and also, I love that you find out that they def- that they found the rabbit. Yeah. Like, I like that it, that happened at some point. <laughs> they relocated the rabbit. It's fine. Yeah. Um, look, I'm going to be honest. My favorite part of that entire magic show, like, the snippets that we see, because obviously there's stuff that we don't see. Cause yeah. we Parker and like Parker, Hardison and Elliot up on yeah. Well, like we come back at some point and Parker is chasing Nate with giant scissors, scissors and you're like, like, what is the context of this? My favorite part of the magic show is the bit where like they have the bird and he puts it in the bag oh, and yeah. then Parker goes and he goes take care of this and Parker just fucking smashes, smashes the, bag. the bag and he goes what the f- was that? <laughs> and she goes you said take care of it. Yeah, and the audience is like. <laughs> <laughs> Ha ha, not ha ha funny, ha ha scared. <laughs> I mean, I assume the implication is the bird is not in the bag. Yes. But also yes. just like. The way it was presented was like, ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. Yes. I, uh, Though I will say I love Parker's magician, out- like her like assist- magician's assistant outfit. Yeah, she had, like, the little tuxedo too. jacket and the white shirt, and, uh-huh. like, the shorts with the stockings. And mm-hmm. do you know what I did love from Parker this episode? I really loved her and Hardison, like on their like in their literal second fake dating yeah. AU. I am living for this. I'm like, yes, keep putting them in fake dating AU's. I I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, I read this fic before and yeah. I did like the ending. So, I yeah, I'm thrilled for a second fake yeah. dating AU. And I love that they just get, like, literally they're like, I love you. Yes, baby. Oh, she's so sexy. She's been doing Pilates. <laughs> I fucking lost it. I, I'm obsessed. I, I love their whole bit. Like, I love the just, oh, man, it, it was just beautiful. I... It brought me so much joy. Love, um, yeah, Kara, love you, Snoodles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Snoodles gets me every time. Oh. I'm like, this has no right being that funny. It's probably not. I just. It just get you just. This is actually the third. If you count okay. in the second David job when they're pretending to make out to trip the door. Oh, yeah. Because then, of course, you go through a godparents job, which is, I'm assuming, the other one you would Yeah, think yeah, yeah. Where are they? The very like, recent one. What do you think, Binky? Yeah. She just loves air. <laughs> oh, good lord. But, uh, yeah. I love, they use that trope a lot, and I love it. I love it every time. I'm like, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, give me this fan fiction feeling shit. Like, I love that. Oh, Yeah. I love it. Oh, another another thing that I liked about this episode that is relevant to Parker mm. is when Elliot is saying that he used to be like scared. scared. He, he was no, no, he was claustrophobic. claustrophobic. Yeah, but he he's like, but I went outside in the woodshed and I locked myself in there for a couple of days and then I was fine. And Parker's like, oh yeah, I did the same thing. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. It's like when you think that you've had like a singular experience, but then you find out that actually like a bunch of people have yeah. had that same experience. And you're like, oh wow. But then she's like, obviously describing to them being buried alive. I literally made a note, <laughs> which is looking yourself in a woodshed equals getting buried alive. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, literally. And they're like. That is not the same thing. And then that made me also laugh because I'm like, oh, that's like when you say something to a group of people and yeah. you think it's funny, but then they look at you like maybe it's not and actually maybe you need therapy. It's definitely like it started out as this moment where like Elliot's like, oh, wow, like 
you're relating, like, wow, this must be, like, yeah. and then it's, like, switching slowly to horror as she describes being buried a fucking life. Yeah. Like, but also, like, <laughs> it's very clear from the flashback that she chose to yeah. be, like, she requested. Yeah. Like, this was not a, like. She was scared of the dark. This was And so she was, like, yes, I'm going to have my friends bury, bury me alive. alive. <laughs> that makes total fucking sense. What do you mean I need help? <laughs> Um, I, I do love Parker does that thing occasionally where she just says like this thing like she thinks it's perfectly normal like there is another example I can think of where she says something about like how you know if you drop 20 feet you just walk it off and everyone's looking at her like mm-hmm. no you fucking don't yeah <laughs> that's not how it works yeah oh my goodness okay so talking about like just getting up and walking it off when they're all having the like little argument about like like, how about you try doing my job kind of thing? And Elliot literally goes, anyone want to do my job? Yeah, I get kicked and punched. It's <laughs> so funny. Because Leah, everyone is arguing about swapping and Elliot's like, no yeah. one wants Elliot's job. No. And I just think that that is hilarious. And so especially funny. because literally like two minutes before that, you have um, Sophie being like, I should have been the assistant. And Parker's like... Well, then you jump down an elevator shaft. And so he's yeah. like, fucking shut up. You love that shit. Like- yeah. Oh, also, I do have one small complaint. Yeah. The the jumping down the elevator shaft, I actually didn't mind, like, the visuals and the effect of her actually yeah. falling. But at the end, when she stops, yeah. I was like, it. I was like, you. I feel like you could have done that better. Like, I feel like you could have actually dropped her, like, a couple meters and then shown the, like, tension bounce and her, like getting up yeah. and stuff but they didn't they clearly just had her very still <laughs> hanging and I was kind of like mm, I feel like I feel like you could have done such a small thing that would have made that so much visually better yeah but to be fair very small complaint I actually quite liked the whole like her like falling down the elevator shaft I thought it was very fun I do love the fact that like she she falls down and somehow she lands like directly on top of the stage that's yeah. what i don't understand how she lands. i i don't understand that but i do love the fact that she like lands directly on top of the stage and then she falls down and then both her and nate are just like panic yeah like, like how the fuck do we cover the fact that she's just dropped from the fucking ceiling like yeah clearly wearing like a burglar's get up yeah like yeah and clearly having just like Cause major property damage. Yeah. Like, there is no way to, like... <laughs> and then, like, Nate's like, oh, fuck, gotta, like, gotta cover this shit up. And is like, oh, yeah, my assistant clear. Mm. Wow, so unpredictable. Literally. I actually... Speaking of uh, Parker not being predictable, so going back very quickly to where her and Hardison were, like, doing their fake dating AU yeah. and, like, she goes up on the stage and gets yeah. the box. The part where, like, Hardison says to her... Like, oh, it's, it's the box is like this model or whatever. Yeah. I just assumed that she was just going to like destroy his act by like escaping out of whatever situation that yeah. he put her in or by like, by sleight of hand ruining his tricks. Like I assumed that that was what they were going to do. Like basically make him a laughing stock kind of yeah. thing. But then she just got up there and like broke his sword and like pretended to get stabbed. And then Hardison went up there and like deliberately pissed him off. And I was like... I was I was so surprised. I was like, this is not the tactic I yeah. thought you guys were going to go with. But also I'm confused as to why he bothered telling her the information about the box. So she could mess with him so he was already starting to get annoyed. Yeah, but, like, how is the, the model of box relevant? 
so that she knows how it works. So, like, because she, like, grabs the sword and that. So she knows yeah. that, like, all the swords and that are going to come out. So she knows okay. how to mess with it. Because I was, like, I just assumed that she would just see that, you know? I like, think it's also kind of a little bit because um she doesn't like magic. So okay. knowing how it works is just, like, a little bit of extra information for her to feel a bit more prepared. Sure. Because like, I was just kind of like, oh, he's telling her so that she knows, like, the mechanisms of the box so that she yeah. can just get out kind of thing. But then I was confused but as it's to part, how it She doesn't relevant. need to know the mechanisms of the box to get out. Oh, yeah. But it's like, you know how she was talking about the, um, like, different models of safe? Mm. That's kind of where my brain was going. I was like, yeah. oh, so like the different models of whatever box yeah. he's using will determine the best tactic for her to use to like A, ruin the trick or B, escape or C, like, you know, whatever. And so I was like, I don't understand how the model of box is relevant for her to just grab the sword and like yeah. break it. But Though to be fair, a lot of them are more complex than they seem just simply because that's the, the whole the way that it works. It. Yeah. 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 Okay, I do – look, I just want to quickly, really, really, really quickly just mention a single line from Hardison's because, again, I don't think it's overly that – but it gets me every fucking time, yeah. which is, oh, yeah, he's a sexy man beast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that whole sequence where he's recounting all of the, like, interpersonal workplace drama, fucking hilarious. I – loved it it's just so and like literally i love that he starts talking about it and you know that it's kind of relevant to the case yeah although i was actually expecting some of it would come up like yeah. you know how you're saying like mm-hmm. oh they'll often like drop things that seem insignificant and then yeah. later on you find out they're important i was like waiting for them to like cause a diversion or something by like using that information again yeah. but they didn't and i was like not mad about it but yeah. i was a little bit disappointed because i like wanted to see some workplace yeah. drama you know and I love that Sophie immediately is invested yeah. in, like, in I just emails. also love the turnaround from the wedding job where Hardison was like, I fucking hate this. Right? To, like, being like, oh, yeah, no, I'm living for this shit. Like, yeah. he's finally embraced the interpersonal drama. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's fantastic. I love it so much. Also, that's I'm pretty sure that's the same scene where we get um Eric with a C, nice and friendly. Eric with a K, evil. evil. Yes, I I love that. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. I want to talk about Nate and Sophie. Okay. Now, I am cross uh-huh. because they're making me like Nate and Sophie. And I've recently listened... Oh, how the mighty have fallen. You recently... This is a bit of remove the podcast curtain, but mm. Jamie, at the time of us recording this, has been editing... About the first five, six episodes of our season one, which means I've recently listened back on the first five, six episodes of our season one. And in one of those episodes, I talk about how I don't think I could ever like Nate or like him with Sophie. And now, a season later, I'm mad because... You kind of like Nate and you kind of like like Nate and Sophie. Sophie. I'm like, I've gone from my whole thing through all of season one was Sophie, babe, you can do better. And now I'm kind of like, you know what? (laughs) And I'm pissed. It's kind of like how Steve Harrington went from like this annoying dude in season one of Stranger Things to being like literally one of my top five favorite characters by season four. I'm obsessed with that boy. And... Now I'm pissed because I'm like, if I could go back and tell myself season one leverage, Bethany, like, you're not going to believe me, but you're going to end up not hating Nate that much. And also, 
he and Sophie, kind of a little bit of a vibe. I would be like, you're lying. Especially considering this entire episode, Sophie's like aggressively trying to set him up. She is projecting so fucking hot. Her whole thing about like Nate needs to like be in control. I'm like, bitch, that's you. Like, she's not wrong. It is also it's Nate. Him, but like, but it's so much hurt. Like, that's like her whole arc so far this season has been about how Sophie has to be in control of everything, and that is to her own detriment. Yeah, right. And like now she's like projecting that onto Nate a bit. And like, like I said, she's not wrong. She ha- he has replaced one yeah. addiction with another, and I get where she's coming from, but. I'm also like, babe, you can see it in others. Maybe try seeing it in yourself. Mm-hmm. You know? Especially considering, like, she she's like, oh, yeah, like, obviously the client's, like, a little bit into night. Like, not, yeah. not like, throwing herself at him or anything. But, but like, she's like, there, we can see where this could go. There is a vibe there. And so she's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them together. Yeah. And her basis for being like, oh, yeah, I think, like, you should be together is you have things in common. She works with food. You, you eat. eat. Yeah. You know, she's a scientist. You're a bit nerdy. <laughs> like, like, I'm a bit nerdy. <laughs> like, it, it's like, wow, babe. Babe, Sophie, you are like. Yeah. It's that whole triangulation of desire thing. Yeah. And I know about this because of extensive meta on Supernatural. And we'll get there, don't you worry. But if for anyone who maybe doesn't recognize the phrase, basically the tri- the triangulation of desire is like when you've got three individuals or characters who you've got like two that are into each other, but they're like not going to outwardly say it kind of thing. And so like one of like, they like either bond over like both talking about how like the third person is like really hot or whatever, or one is trying to set the other up with the third party. And it's, this bizarre thing where, like, instead of just admitting that you are into your, like, the other person, you, like, weirdly triangulate it through a third party. And that's 100% what is happening here. Where Sophie is into Nate and we as the audience are hyper aware of this. Nate is into Sophie. We, again, as the audience are hyper aware of this. Neither of them want to, like, make it a thing because, you know, whatever. Complicated Complicated histories and they work together and blah, yeah, blah, blah, Yeah, exactly. We, we know the reason. We also, as an audience, are fully aware of why they're, like, not fully going to commit to it. But Sophie, instead of, like, seeing Nate and this girl, like, kind of flirting, instead of being, like, defensive or whatever about it, she's like, oh, my God, yes, go for it. She's, like, overperforming yeah. her okayness with the situation. And that makes it even more obvious that she's into him. You know, and it's like, oh my god, I'm like, this is just like fucking supernatural all over again. <laughs> so I see why you're enjoying Leverage more now. Yeah, <laughs> my brainworms have connected some dots. <laughs> yeah, this whole scenario with Sophie desperately like trying to set Nate up with this this chick and stuff, and like being so like super supportive of it is like absolutely her. Yeah. Covering up the fact Living that... Living vicariously. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Like, well, if I can't date him, at least I can, yeah. like, you know... Like, I literally rejected him, like, not even five episodes ago. Yeah. Because I was dating someone else. So, like, I can't do it because I've just rejected him. But, like, I, I'm going to push him into, like, dating this other person. Yeah. Because that's totally normal. Yeah. Fine and healthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what I, one thing that I really like about Leverage mm-hmm. is, like... In terms of overarching plot, and I think I mentioned this last episode, it's 100% about the characters. Yeah. And I I love that. I'm obsessed with that. Give me a long, 
like character arc plot yes i will eat that shit up and uh, obviously at the very end of this episode they kind of set up nate having a like a relapse yeah and i am worried for the just generally the team yeah i'm worried for nate i somehow i care now mm-hmm. they've made me like him for yeah. five weeks in a row so now i'm pissy yeah that i care you know, this time a season ago, I would have been like, whatever. He could get hit by a train and I'd be like, good. And now I'm like, oh, no, he's going to be sad. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm worried about what's coming for Nate. Yes. I do think I'm, I'm still pretty committed to this idea that I think I mentioned back in maybe the season two thoughts. Yeah. That it feels like maybe they're going to focus on a character a season. Like I, yeah. and I, I'm kind of committed to that now and it does work with what I've seen so far. And I'm interested to see in that case, I would argue that this season is about Sophie. We've gotten a lot more about Sophie and a lot more like personal integral stuff Mm -hmm. to Sophie. I'm wondering how Nate's relapse and like that topic of control is going to impact her season overarching. And also factoring into that, say your framework is correct. Yeah. How does Sophie's relationship to Nate change change and how is that impacted and what are the um what are the implications of say Nate going down the hole and having a relapse like yeah. you know falling down the rabbit hole not managing to you know yeah. sort of stabilize again and they really they do set it up at the end of this episode where they're talking about how Sophie's like he's great he's fine he's in control now he's at the top of his game that's fine he's winning winning Unfortunately, like he's getting risk, like he's pushing us more and more. He's getting more, more and more risky with these plans. Yeah. What happens when he loses? Yeah. Yeah. It's like all well and fine and good when you're winning and you're on top. Mm-hmm. But like one day they're just going to get unlucky and something's going to happen. And like, because Nate can't control everything despite what he wants to believe. Yeah. And Sophie can't control everything either. I think what might be interesting for both of them is for them to sort of come to this conclusion in a sort of simultaneous sense. Like, I think it could be very interesting for them to both, to be found in a situation where, say, Nate's, like, relapsed and Sophie has had, I don't know, maybe, like, another sort of the second David job, like, type moment with the team where, like, she thought she was in control of a situation and then she got caught out. Mm. Like, I think it would be interesting for maybe those two to find themselves isolated from the team because of like their own actions and having to accept the consequences of their actions on those around them. I think maybe, maybe even like not necessarily in like a very soon upcoming episode, like I don't expect in like the next episode or something, but maybe closer to the end of this season, I think it would be interesting to have a situation where both of them through actions that they have consciously made have sort of, isolated themselves from the rest of the team the rest of the team is pissy at them or like whatever for whatever reason and they are sort of forced to reconcile with their own need for control and what that means and the impact it has on themselves and their relationships and kind of have like almost like a mirroring discussion like where both of them are sort of seeing it in each other and then are being made to see it in themselves yeah you know I think that could be really interesting and I think it could serve a really good purpose for like moving both of them forward as characters 
I don't know. That's that's kind of where my brain is mm-hmm. at right now. Look, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to give you any insight into what's happening. But I'm I'm very fascinated by where you're going with this, and mm. I'm very excited for you to see what's coming up because. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the entire premise of this podcast. Of course I like it. Actually, one thing before we get off the topic of Nafe, uh, Nafe? Nafe? Jesus. Is that I, the ship name? No, I what is the ship name? I don't know. I don't think they have a ship name. Well, I'm saying it's Nafe now. Yeah, it's Nafe. <laughs> okay. The, before, Not we, <laughs> before we get off the topic of Nate and Sophie, yeah. one other thing that I wanted to say is, like, while I see the, like, vibe there, I definitely see them as, like, old married couple yeah. vibe. Like, not a... 100% old married couple vibe. Like, yeah. they are not... Yeah. They're both too um, sort of experienced and jaded to be, like... It's not... Okay, so, like... It... Starry-eyed, brand new, like, this sort of thing. Like, yeah. they've both done too much shit, seen too much shit to be, like... Yeah, it's, it's very much a more mature like circumstance i guess yeah like, they're both like they're both older characters in terms of like they're not usually when you've you have a show and they're like pitching like a love interest they're like early 20s kind of thing early to mid 20s yeah 30 if they're feeling like they're gonna get really old yeah and right like, exactly and for so them to both be in their sort of like i would say probably 40s. early 40s yeah early exactly. to mid 40s exactly like, and i i really enjoy that yeah um, and I appreciate that it doesn't feel like they're trying to put some kind of starry-eyed romance on it because it doesn't – it wouldn't make sense. No. It kind of makes sense, like, what they're doing with Parker and Hardison. Yes. Which is very much a lot it's, – it's more juvenile. Yeah. Right? But, yeah, for Sophie and Nate, it feels much more mature. While we're talking very briefly about Parker and Hardison and just how they feel, like, a lot younger mm-hmm. – just the fact that when Nate's like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a thing that big companies do. And then he's like, oh, wait, none of you have had a real job. Yeah. And Hardison's like, of course I haven't had a fucking real job. Why the fuck would I do that? Like, that is yeah. capitalism? No thanks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, while we're on Hardison, I do want to very quickly talk about the convenience of him hacking into that dude's phone and having the phone camera just perfectly angled towards yeah. the screen i'm like i understand tv magic but also that plop, plop, plop. Convenience, convenience 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 you you're are watching, watching leverage. leverage yeah i <laughs> i was like i understand but like my belief is no longer suspended <laughs> and okay while we're on that there is no way that someone not actually in it is going to be able to even use that server computer, let alone find the exact files they want and delete them effectively. Like there is no, having worked in jobs where like computer literacy is relatively important, the number of people who struggle to do things like copy and paste is absurd. Like there is no, there is no, there is no part of me that believes that anyone who is not part of the IT department is able to do the things that both Jameson and Carson are doing in this episode. I'm like, no way. Do you think Carson just wore like a fake mustache and went to like the IT people? Like, ah, oh, yes. If I was doing, to- <laughs> need to in- like delete all copies of an incriminating like report. Hypothetically, like I'm sorry, there is no fucking way. Like, look, while we're talking about things that were confusing, I want. I've never been able to work out. Do you think that dude just gets paid to sit on that bench all day and look like he's homeless? Like, like the oh. security guy that's outside when they're like when they're first doing recon mm. on the building, and like Parker sitting outside, and like mind you, Parker, my girl, relatable as hell there, 
when she when he's like, oh yeah, I lied about you having nice hair, and she's like, well, I was lying when I said you didn't. And then she's like, wait, fuck, fuck that doesn't yeah. mean what I think it means. And um, absolutely backflips it out of there. <laughs> yeah, that's how I wish I could get out of most social situations. Yeah, but do you think that guy is literally just paid to sit outside and look like he's homeless? I mean, I guess so. I guess it's like, how do you reckon they advertise for that position? You reckon it's like on seek? They're like, hi, we would like to pay you X many dollars an hour to lie on a bench and be cold. Or is it just like, um, like part, like, you know, when you have like a job and mm-hmm. say, say you're like a cleaner, like, right. And you yeah. work with a team of like four other cleaners yeah. and like each day you just rotate through. So like one day you'll be cleaning like the main foyer and the other day you'll be cleaning like the toilets. What, and then so you one think day, it's like a luck of the draw kind like of thing? They like just they're picking names through. out of a Like hat. they have a schedule. Like, <laughs> like on Monday it's, you know, Steve. On, and on Tuesday, Wednesdays, we wear pink. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like one day a week, you have to sit out on a bench and pretend to be homeless to make sure no one's casing the building. I'm not even going to begin to pretend I understand how these, like, ex-CIA, which, by the way, fucking Elliot, being like, it's a very distinctive stance, hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not even going to pretend that I know how they're structuring their, like, shift work, I guess. It seems like overkill to me. It's just, yeah, it's bad. I, I'm just like, wow, that is a job, I guess. Okay, I just want to really quickly shout out two lines because, again, like, I think they're 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 very funny to me personally. I don't know if they're objectively that funny, but, like, I don't know. It's just me. But I do love the bit where after fucking Hardison's just been yoinked up to the fucking top of oh, the yeah. elevator, Hardison's like, oh, look, I could have just hooked it to the rail. <laughs> Oh, Elliot, yeah, being like, oh, yeah, I could have just hooked it up. Whoops. Oops, I also love Hardison being like, how the hell am I going to get down from here? And Elliot, and he, like, falls to the floor, and Elliot's like, how did you not see that coming, man? <laughs> I also love the line, retinas. How am I going to get his retinas? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sort of line that, like, you just imagine, like, they did it in public, and somebody walked past and just heard someone say, like, retinas. How am I going to get his retinas? And it's, like, fucking double take of the century. Yeah. Um, but no, I have one final character analysis point. Ooh, okay. And I just, I don't know if you have anything to say about this, but this is something that I've seen a lot in, like, fandomy spaces, and I think it's just, like, fascinating. Okay. Because in a season that's not, so far, really heavily been focused on, like, Parker and Elliot, the development of their relationship is fascinating to me. Her poking his she's arm and stuff. poking him. Yeah. Like, arguably, he's the most dangerous member of the team. Mm. He could kill her in 30 seconds if he really wanted to. Yeah. And she feels comfortable enough with him to be sitting there casually annoying him and poking, poking his, his injury. Arm. Yeah. Yeah. I really love, even though, like I was saying earlier, this season feels very Sophie heavy. I also think we've probably had more development for Elliot in these last six episodes than we had the entirety of the first yeah. season. And so, like, it's been really nice to see them really properly fleshing out their characters. And we've talked about a bunch this season, so I won't go on about it again. But even just shifting the location from the offices to Nate's apartment and how that's impacted the dynamic and the feel of when they're having these debriefs and stuff is just astronomically different. And just the fact that LA can go, like, I'm having, like, the Kung Pao chicken from the fridge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just that, like, level of like familiarity mm-hmm. and comfort and, and domesticity yeah yeah exactly it's just it's so nice it's very wholesome mm-hmm. and it certainly feels much more like found family 
than it did in season one. Yeah. Season one for me felt very much like business relations. Yeah. This feels like a home. Parker poking Ellie's injuries a hundred percent is like to me, it's when you get like a vaccination and you get home and your siblings just like, like oh. wax you on the arm, like, oh, does that hurt? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, hey, I can see where you've got that like cotton swab. Let me just jab that real quick. <laughs> While we're talking about the like relationships between the characters yeah. and that sort of like debrief sort of yeah. environment, um, I have a question for you. Okay. So we see Hardison doing a card trick with Parker and it's yeah. a very sweet. Like, he's like, and here's the queen. And Parker's like, "Mm, I stole it. Which is so cute. I love it. It's just a fun interaction. But I was like, hang on a minute. Did you notice that the card he's holding changes? No. The card he's holding... I went back and rewatched it. Because I was like, did I miss this? So when he first picks it up and he's like, this is the queen or whatever. It's a a black seven of clubs. Yeah. And then it cuts to Parker and she flips it and she's like, "Mm, I stole it. It goes back to Hardison and it's now a red nine of diamonds. So either someone made a fuck up with (laughs) continuity or it's a fun little magic trick in the middle of the... um... Yeah. So I I was like, wait, did I see this right? I was like, am I crazy? I rewatched that three times to make sure that I wasn't going insane. But yeah, it changes from a black seven of clubs to a red nine of diamonds. Like it's a very distinct shift. (laughs) But, like, so I love that little interaction, and I just thought it was just the card thing just made me laugh. I was like, oh, that's I, – I assume it's just a fuck-up in the continuity, yeah. but I just thought it was fun. It could be a fun little intentional thing. I mean, it could be. I don't – I really don't know how, but I think – I just – I thought it was fun. It's like a cute little um, mm. Easter egg. Yeah. You know? Like, you only notice it if you're, like, looking hard And enough. it 100% makes sense in the episode that's about – Magicians. Yeah, and sleight of hand. Yeah. yeah, no, I thought it was very cute. I thought it was very fun. Okay, well, I was all done for today. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, Only very, very briefly. Okay. Yeah. Jameson can't lie for her fucking life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, I don't actually have a discussion to have no. about that. I just wanted to point it out. Just stating facts. And the other thing is, I was so fucking confused when she's in the elevator making her escape and she gets a phone call. And she fucking answers it. I'm like, who are you taking a call from right now? They can leave a message. You can call them back. When you're outside of the when building. Out, like, get out of the fucking building and then worry about your fucking phone. Like, I I was baffled by that. But other than that, I think I think I'm done. I think that's all the notes that I that I wanted to cover. Okay then. Well, how would you rate 206, the top hat job, out of five? I gave it a three. Okay. Yep. I Like, it was fine. There were lots of things that I liked about the episode. It was a bit of fun. Mm. I didn't like it as much as I had liked the previous three. Okay. Yeah. But I was like, there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. I'm just probably not rushing to rewatch it. Yeah. Like, if I was going to rewatch... It's fine. It's just not a standout. Yeah. Yeah. It's just an absolutely, perfectly fine, normal episode of Leverage. It was not bad by any means. Was it one of my favorites? No. It's just kind of all right. Okay, then. Well, the next episode is called The Two Live Crew Job. What do you think it's about? Two Live Crew. Two like the number, in case that wasn't obvious. Yeah. Two Live Crew. Okay, so when I hear the word crew, I always think of, like, incapacity of, like, a ship. Like, that's just, like, the jump that my Mm -hmm. brain goes to. But too live like using the word live makes me think of like a performance like a show and then you could have like a crew attached like it could be like a film crew yeah or it could be like 
I don't know, like a radio, maybe a radio show? <laughs> maybe a podcast. Two people and it's live, you know. Well, actually, this isn't live. This yeah. is very well, much pre-recorded. But, you know, like maybe it's like a radio show. So, and that would make sense. Two people, like like a morning breakfast show maybe kind of thing. I don't really know where I'm going with this. But just if you think, I'm thinking of a two-person crew in the context of something that would be performed live. Okay. So like breakfast radio or, I mean, we just had magicians, but like maybe some kind of like acts, mm-hmm. maybe a DJ, like, because I don't think you can really, you can't man like a whole boat with two people. Like you could mm-hmm. maybe do like a, a catamaran. You could mm-hmm. do a catamaran with two people, but yeah, or a yacht, like a a. a, a I don't know. Are you ready to finish rambling? Yeah. You've got some more stuff to say. <laughs> Sorry, I. I'm just I just like, I literally have. I'm, I'm letting you like follow the rabbit down the bloody <laughs> rabbit hole, but I'm, I'm also sitting here like I have. You seem to be running out of steam. Yeah, I really Pun haven't. Intended. I haven't got any actually solid ideas, okay. so I'm just talking shit, hoping that something will be relevant later on. Okay, nothing else said. No, that brings us to the end of the episode for the day. If you want to find us, you can find us on all sorts of social medias. All of our links will be in the description. Suggested conversation topics include... What's your favourite magic trick? Ooh, yeah. I love a good good magic show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I was screaming internally when Beth predicted the Beantown bailout job because I knew it was this episode, (laughs) not that episode, but, like, also I want you to scream with me about some of the stuff Beth has set up to this point because, like, it's there. This is your invitation to freak out with me because I'm having to do it in real time. Fuck, okay. Well, well, now I... Okay. Well, I guess this is your invitation to come and spoil a free hint at me. <laughs> I don't know what I fucking said. No, you don't. Okay. All right. Sounds fun. Sounds like a vibe. You've completely thrown me now. Sorry. I didn't realise I said something that was actually, like, you know, worthy of discussion. Not this episode. It was an oh, no, indeterminate I'm... number of episodes ago. I'm just shocked that I've said anything of relevance. Yeah. <laughs> At all. Okay. I'm done. You, you got nothing else to add? I'm done. <laughs> oh, what else is equivalent? Like locking yourself in a woodshed versus being buried alive. Oh, actually, here's a good one. Yeah. Um, did you have a childhood fear that you overcame? By locking yourself By in a woodshed. By locking yourself in a woodshed. Or getting buried alive. <laughs> All right. I think we're done. <laughs> okay. Have a lovely evening, morning, afternoon, night, lunch. Brunch. Brunch. Fucking breakfast. 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Midnight snack time. Midnight snack time. Anyway. Bye. bye.